The Tuesday Club with Sean, Kyle and Shane. Hello, welcome to our first December 2020 Tuesday Club podcast with me, Sean Holly, Shane Williams, and of course, one and only Kyle Reese. Uh, we're doing a little bit remote today because, uh, as you've probably noticed, all our, our followers and listeners is that we, um, we've we struggled a little bit the last couple of weeks. We've all been busy with, with one thing or another, but um, the big news is for this uh, podcast in uh, the first one in December, boys, is we're going into lockdown again, but the biggest thing probably is... Mm-hmm. No alcohol. Shane, after you're running, you must be devastated. <laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> I've stocked up, pal. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I am really drunk this year, to be honest with you. I definitely haven't been out. So um, all the bottles or beers or wine I've accumulated over the year are still there or thereabouts. So they might have a tune-in over Christmas. But um, no, yeah, I'm gutted because I, there's a lot of people I would like to have caught up with this year, you know, that I haven't been able to. Uh, not just about the drinking, but just seeing them, seeing new faces, and uh, and and kind of just celebrating the fact that um, you know we've all got through this really. So um, yeah, I'm gutted to be honest. And Christmas as well. It is the time where, well, it is, it is the season to be merry, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it? It's a nightmare. Uh, I'll ask you know, Kyla. I just popped on the bank. I need to pop to the bank. I saw my dad right across the road. He got a mask on. Went across. He gave me a little elbow touch, you know? It's little things like that. He'd normally give me a big hug, my dad. Like he said, he said you know what big Ron's yeah. like? And then, you know, we'd yeah. be talking about Christmas Day where we'd have my parents and my in-laws and, and, and Sherilina, my wife, is, is talking about, you know, taking the doors off and having an elongated table so we can distance for Christmas. It, it's a shocker, Kyle. You were, you were Mr. Christmas. You must be, you know, really de- devastated. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love Christmas. Um... I'm still getting those festive feelings, you know, as you do the, the two or three weeks before Christmas, but it's just not going to be the same, is it? You know, um, every year, this time now, people are going out for works parties with their companies, and now they've brought this lockdown in where, to be honest with you, what a stupid, stupid thing to do. All right, it might stop people from drinking and, you know, not being sensible and when they're inebriated or whatever, but it's, it's like in the 1920s, there's a prohibition again, and you could still buy it in the shops, so, you know, somebody's going to go, all right, we'll go out for a drink. Oh, we can't. Yes, we can. We'll just go down Tesco's and buy six bottles of vodka and some Jägermeister. It's the same thing. I, I don't so think why? They, I don't think it's... I don't think it's the buy-in of the alcohol, mate. I think it's... You nailed it first up there. I think it's more to do with... We tend to get a little bit loose when we've had a few beers, don't we? So we'll all socially You distance. too. You definitely tend to get a bit loose. Well, me right? Shane, we're, all, we're older than you. We've got a bit of practice, right? We can rein ourselves in when we need to. <laughs> but, you know, when, when we're a little bit loose, we go in at 7 o'clock and you socially distance, put your mask on, you wash your hands, you sign in, track and trace. 11 o'clock's a different story, isn't it? Yeah. You're, you're singing jingle yeah. bells, hugging and kissing each other, and it's... Yeah, so I think that's probably the reason. But I do tend to agree with you. We just popped into Tesco's now and it's rammed, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just it kind of defeats it's the object. It's like, it's like first off, they're going to poor hospitality industry. And, you know, there was a lot of places that weren't really doing very well before all this happened. You can't imagine the state that, that, that a lot of these businesses are in now. And yeah. this is probably 
the, the hospitalities, one of the busiest seasons now, Christmas, leading up to and then especially over. And now they've just been told by yeah. Mark Drakeford, oh, you can't serve alcohol now. So, I don't yeah. know, it's, it's crazy. Uh, overthrow the, all the governments, I say, and let's, let's Sean Holly for Wales. Hashtag. I, I think, yeah. <laughs> Look, it's, it is the businesses we, we feel sorry for, isn't it? And are, and are going to kind of um, suffer more than anyone. But we are... We are a race of giving in, should we take a mile, aren't we? As soon as, you know, I, I think we, it is better to be safe than sorry. Um, but there needs to be more help for the business, definitely. And what yeah. we have seen is as soon as we say, right, you can get together, but, you know, only in small numbers. I mean, next thing you know, we're having a rave on Ogmore Beach. <laughs> or, or, you know, there's a house party with a thousand people. Like, do, do you know what I mean? I just well, think... You know, if come on, we can be smarter, can't we? We can box a bit cleverer than that. And because of that, this is why we're in this situation again, I think. So yeah. I get it. I get I get why Mark Drake was doing this. You know, he's the most hated man in Wales at the moment, but I do actually get it. And he's got the toughest job in the world, to be fair to him. But at the same time, there needs to be more help for these businesses. Because I got friends that own pubs and restaurants and they have had an absolute tune in, yeah. in fairness. And, you know, they're on their ass. They're on their ass, and um, they I mean, these are the things well, I feel sorry for. You're the only you person I, that could fit a thousand people in having a party, so it's you weren't going to be watching anyway. Wait, yeah, well. it wasn't me, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, talking about being sensible, uh, um, trying to be. So, <laughs> the, our big supporter, our partner establishment, the Brit Pubs, lovely pub, right? And um, Gemma's great, the landlady there. So, me and a few mates, she's got a little cutch. It's a, it's a converted garage outside, only eight allowed in, big screen, telly. And so me and seven mates, eight of us, right, we book it. Um, she puts a barrel in there, serve yourself, a barrel of Moretti, right, 104 pints. Uh, eight of you go in, a couple of heaters, telly's on, the game, and she brings a curry in, socially distance at halftime, serve yourself. Great idea, isn't it, right? So we're trying to be sensible and look after the place and, and this, that, and the other. 104 pints of Moretti, eight, eight boys, right? Serve yourself. Get to the 60th minute of the game. One of the boys who's been in the sofa, he's a big boy, 25 stoner, gets up, he's been there all afternoon, trips, falls head first, bang into the piano, smashes the piano, right? <laughs> but it, but it, that's the first thing. Another boy gets up, staggers, falls over, knocks a heater over, bang. One of the other boys, he's got his hands up on the wall, he's going, oh, this, this heater's lovely, right? This is fantastic. It was the sound bar for the telly, right? <laughs> Thought it was the heater. And then one of the other boys who thinks, yeah, these are all 50, 60 pluses, he's at age, right? Then one of the other boys who, who used to be a cellar boy 45 years ago goes, oh, this is pouring slow, tries to fix it, smashes the gas off. It all goes up in the air, trips the electric, all the lights and the cookers go off in the kitchen, all the garden lights go off, she comes steaming in. <laughs> So forget being sensible, boys. Stay at home, have a couple of cans and watch Wales Italy this week, for God's sake. Loose. Oh do. You were loose, man. You and you were gang. Loose. Nothing to do with me. Nothing yeah, to do with me. Yeah, it wasn't such a good idea to do that then, was it? But it, was, <laughs> it was. It was. But <laughs> you do the maths. Eight blokes, 104 pints of Moretti. Yeah, it don't work. Now listen, talking to Christmas, oh, we're going we're gonna to have one more show in 2020 next week. And uh, it's going to be a cracker. We haven't had a guest for a while for a reason. We've been building up to a, to a guest. And we've got loads lined up in the new year for Series 3. But, uh, Kyle, we've got a very special one next week. The round off Season 2. Can you tell us? 
Yeah, uh, well, this, uh, she's, a, she's a very, very well-known TV personality, very, very intelligent mathematician. That's a bit of a clue there. She was on a very famous TV show that used to be presented by Des Lynham, I think it was. Um, it's going to be a Christmas carol with the one and only Carol Vorderman. Vorders. Vorders. Who also, by the way, now speaks Welsh. So, for all of our American uh, listeners here now, we can have a little combo between you and Carol, Shane, in Welsh. Yeah, look, looking forward to it. She's, she's like, I don't know if any of you have seen that film, Short Circuit. She's yes, so intelligent. Yeah, she read she read a book on on Welsh language in about five seconds, and now is fluent in Welsh. <laughs> yeah, so in. annoying, so <laughs> annoying. Yeah, and she's she's bought a house down in Solvad, St David's as well. So beautiful um, place. Yeah, she's a she, she's a she's a lovely woman as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing her. She's, you know when she she's comes great on, company. When she comes on, girl, can I go um, one from the top, two from the middle, <laughs> and one from the bottom? Uh, well, no one you. It depends uh, where your reference is. <laughs> Two from the top. Come on. <laughs> One from the middle. Ah, she's great. She's great. She'd be great fun. Great fun. <laughs> what else, Lacey? Um, two big ones, one little one, and uh, three of any uh, any of the others. I, she, was, she was brilliant on Countdown, wasn't she? I, I used to think, my God, somebody's got in a earpiece and just given her the answer. Because somebody reckoned that with Rachel Riley, didn't they? That it was so difficult that they were telling her, uh, you know, the answers in the um, in the earpiece. But Carol Vorderman is renowned for being the math- mathematician, isn't she? Well, it, it, it's a Christmas carol next week, so tune in. And then uh, also, it would be great if any of our followers, our listeners, would send in any questions for Carol, Carol Vorderman, or for Shane, or myself, or Kyle. Anything to do with anything around entertainment, rugby, the podcast, you know, what we're doing around lockdown. Send us your questions in, and uh, we'll get a, uh, them on next week's Christmas carol podcast. Boys, we've got to no, talk I, rugby. Yeah. Oh, go on, go on. Sorry, I was just going to say, any... Maths questions, please don't direct them up my way. <laughs> I'm going to ask her, why did we do algebra in school? That's what I'm going to ask her. Yeah, that's a good question. Ever used it? No. Anyway, we've got to talk rugby boys. We've got to. It's been Wales, England. Uh, we've got one more Autumn Nations Cup match to come in. We're playing for fifth. Yeah. Feels like an, like an under-20s championship. Um, anyway, <laughs> we lost you and you were working it. Um, we can't blame yeah. the weather because <laughs> the weather was okay. Um, what do we blame this week? Uh, we blame the fact we were beaten by a, a much better, organi- more organised team. I think. Um, look, I watched. It, I was I was working obviously on the weekend with S4C, and I, I pretty much watched it with Ken Owens. And I was try, you know, I was trying to get uh, the feel of of the camp and what he thought was going wrong and everything, and he was. To be fair, he was quite tight-lipped, but um, he said, look, they've been working very hard on their defence because that's been a big problem. Um, you know, it's a shame Byron Haywood's had to go, but, they, you know, they felt slightly responsible, I suppose, as players. Um, and looking at the first-half performance, especially defensively, I thought they'd done really well. Even when they were broken, they scrambled back really well and the attitude was great. Um, Johnny Williams as well, by the way, first-half performance was... Just incredible, you know, without the ball. Uh, lovely for him to score a try on the first touch, pretty much. And some of his hits on the likes of Vonipola and these players were fantastic. So, him, for me, cemented his place at the moment. Um, 
but the problem is we can't we can't get hold of the ball, and when we do get hold of the ball, we don't really know what to do with it. Um, you know, okay, I do get the fact that we have to kick the ball a lot because we want to win territory, we want to you know compete for the ball, and we want to play in the right areas. But you know, the, the kicks weren't good enough, the chase wasn't good enough, and we didn't play in the right areas. So that's you know that's that game plan gone. And when we had the ball. It was from slow rucks because we we had to fight and and really dig for the ball to get it to Dan Bigger, and then we were putting so many plays in the breakdown, we didn't have options outside Dan Bigger. Um, so there's a lot of work to do in that area, as far as I'm concerned. I think it was a better performance. I think you know they will take a lot of heart and everything out of that, and I probably think Italy is probably the perfect game for them to play next. Can you imagine if they were playing? I don't know the All Blacks or South Africa or or anyone really that uh, that'll be far more organised than us. So it's a game where we can win some confidence back defensively, doing what we're doing, and get hold of the ball and keep it because that's been a huge issue. The breakdown and the the tackle area is a massive concern of mine, and um, and and we need to be a bit more clever in that area. Apart from that, positive. <laughs> Kyle, when Johnny Williams scored as a fan, uh, I bet you were thinking, we could do this. Uh, it's, every game Wales go into, I go in thinking they can do this. Because, you know me, like you, you both call me a mad taff. I, I love every single one of them players who wear that jersey. And when they scored that try, I was straight on Twitter. Wales, come on, yes, we're going to do it. And I, you know, you, you guys have the commentator's curse. I have the tweeter's curse because I've done that. And then, you know, we had a good first half and then they sort of fell away. But look, John, Johnny, um, I think he had a brilliant game. He was so aggressive as well. Now, we all know Owen Farrell is a very physical player. And there was one point in the first half where Owen Farrell went to tackle him and he just handed him off. And Owen Farrell must have gone back about five ten yards, like um, he got tackled after that. But anyway, but no, I think it was. I think it was really positive. Um, I did also do a tweet in the first half saying this is a better defence. What we want to be seeing. But one thing that concerns me is I don't know whether it's something that's taught in Wales to scrum halves. Why do our scrum halves always take a bloody age to get the ball out? I know oppositions will cause nuisance at the breakdown, but. Lloyd Williams, his first start now for four years, but he got penalised straight away for taking too long. The ball was out. Then the second time, Toji and Vanipola were over it and it was play on and England turnover. What is it with our scrum halves? Why do they take so long to get that I, ball out? I, I think it's the, their, first, their first mindset is to kick. And therefore, they're organising these caterpillars and the kick chase. And, then, and that's why you know Shane and I get frustrated because they're not really playing heads up. They don't get it away quickly. You know, if you get it away quickly, it doesn't matter if, if not many people are there. The defence isn't there. If the longer you take it, you set your back three, you set your defensive line, you charge down. So yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm not as I'm not as positive as you boys. Um, I, I'm really worried. I am because, like Shane said, I don't see us scoring. I didn't see us create anything or, or worry them at all. I was going to ask you, Shane, because you were at the game, and you know what I'm like about body language and demeanour. It seemed to me, looking on the telly, that England were in second gear, and they always knew they were going to contain Wales and win. They, they could do enough. Was that, was that the case there? Yeah, yeah, probably agree, Sean, to be honest with you. First half, um, I thought England were poor. They kicked too me much. Too. Very poor kicks. 
they let Wales off the hook a number of times. There was a number of times me and Ken were on the side with their hands on their heads thinking, Jesus, look at the numbers they got on the side here. And they put a kick through whether it be Henry Slade. In fact, I think they had too many tens on the field. Yeah. They had Slade, they had Ford, and they had Farrell. They're almost tripping over each other to get and, over the ball. And Daly from it didn't the back, work. Yeah. Daly as well, the footballer. I don't think it worked. It's almost too many cooks spoiled the broth and all that. And um, especially first half, I think that must have been a chat from Eddie Jones. You know, why are we kicking it so much? We've got these on the ropes in the first 20, 25 minutes. And yeah, I agree. Well, you know, and when Wales had the ball, we either kicked it to try and compete and the kick wasn't quite good enough. Dan Bigger again trying to take the world on his own, you know, with his kicks and he's the world's best at doing it. So I see why he does it. But there just wasn't options there. And, um, you know, the, the difference for me was when, we, when England had the ball, you knew they were going to win the breakdown to get the ball back as quick or as slow as they wanted. You looked on the field and there was white shirts everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. So if Ford had it, Farrell was an option. If Farrell didn't want it, Ford could put it behind to Vunipola or Launchbury. And that's why I praised the defence so much for Wales, because there were so many options for England. Wales' defence done really, really well, I thought, to contain them. And then England played through three or four phases and then kicked the ball. I was thinking, I'm not being funny. You've got us on the ropes. You really have. You need to keep hold of the ball. So, yeah, I, and the second half, they just went through their plays. They played in the right areas. Had the points, you know, put us under pressure in the line-out and the scrum, took the points when they needed them. And, I, I, you know, again, I also agree that we didn't really look like we were going to score another try. You know, the, the first try was opportunist. It was a great charge done by Dan Biggs. Um, and a great follow-up afterwards. Great skill from Biggs to keep it in, going into touch. Johnny Williams, good follow-up, good finish. Apart from that, you know, yeah. I, I don't know where, you know, we were going to get another try from. And yeah. we said the same thing against Ireland, didn't we? You know, I think if, if they'd have kept on playing for two or three days, I don't know if Wales would have yeah. scored a try. Scotland. The options. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the creations weren't there. So, yeah, it is a big concern. I, I, I don't know why, though. You know, even in Six Nations, we played some good rugby. We scored some nice tries. It just seems like a lack of confidence. Heads up rugby, like you say. You know, um, there was only two or three times we got the ball to Lewis Rizamit, who looked really dangerous. He was the only player that seemed to want to take on the defence. Um, but we just, you know, we again, we didn't do that till too late in the game, until Sheedy came on, probably. So, um, yeah, too many things to work on, really. But that's why I'm, I'm optimistic about this Italy game, because if there's a team you can take on the outside and have a real go at them, it's Italy, because they will concede tries. Um, but I, do, I don't know, yeah. What, I, I, what is the answer? I'm... Um... I, I'm I'm a I'm a little bit opposite to you. See, I, I think I'd rather play the All Blacks or South Africa this week because we're not expecting anything. Then <laughs> yeah. I'm sort of thinking we're all yeah. seeing. I said on Scrum Five last night that you know this is a you know we should put we should beat them and and play some attacking rugby, score some tries. I spoke to Dean Budd, the former Italy captain, second rower. They they are they are targeting this one. You can imagine, can you? They feel they sense that we're vulnerable. They've had patches in yeah. games. They're still conceding loads of points, but I worry that we will try and go there, Shane. Because you're right, we'll have opportunity. But if we are lacking in confidence and our skill level hasn't been great, imagine no. imagine we concede a couple of turnover tries or we give some penalties away and they've got a maul. Oh my God! I, can, yeah. I, I don't want to tempt fate because I, I'd rather I'd rather think. Look, go and pick your attacking guys. Let's go and give it a go. Because if we just kept going and go, like we used to do, if we just kept going and going and throwing things at them, the door would come down, wouldn't it? You know, eventually. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Eventually, we get it to you when you score. But 
you know, that, I think that's the sort of philosophy they've got to go in with. Kyle, is anyone you'd like to see? Obviously, our boy Lewis, I, I, I think he's great. Uh, he looked comfortable. Anybody else you'd like to see this week playing against Italy? Um, do you know what? I go, I go not far off the side that started against England, to be honest with you. Um, I think uh, one thing that uh, Wales are lacking at the moment is possibly the time and cohesion together. I know they've all been in camp, but training in camp as one squad um, and then actually starting with the same players week in, week out, I think brings uh, a cohesion and a, a sort of, I don't know, a, a camaraderie to know that you're with these boys in the trenches week in, week out. So I know there's lots of different combinations to be tried and different players, but one thing that I hope Pivak will continue is picking players who are on form for their clubs or regions because, like I, I said before on a different podcast, that's why people used to get picked internationally because they were on form for their clubs, um, not because they were a favourite of a coach or they've got, um, you know, uh, success in the past or whatever. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, Sean, was uh, there was a big battle. There's been a lot of talk over the last couple of weeks, obviously the Lions next year, and there was a big battle in uh, the second row uh, in the game with uh, our golden boy Alan Wynn and Toji. Now, not not necessarily if a team loses, does that mean that one person wouldn't be the standout player? But who do you think won that battle? Well, and... I, that's, a, that's a difficult one, mate, because let's say you go back to the start of the game and you swap those two. Alan Wynn plays in that England team and Toji plays in that Wales team. Would we still be having this conversation? You know, Probably not, you know. I think a Toji may struggle if there's no line-up ball, the scrum's getting penalised, that he's got no possession. Yeah, he'd have a good defensive game. I'm sure Alan Wynn had a, had a good defensive game, you know. Um, but Al isn't in there to make line breaks, to, you know, to, to step around guys, to put short passes and, and Josh Adams in for a try. He might do that once a season. But... You know, it's very difficult for him to at the moment in amongst that team. I think with with the way it's going. Yeah. Whereas conversely, it's very easy for Itoji, as good as he is, to get into those positions when you've got everybody else doing loads of tackles and big hits around. You know, a very organised physical line out and scrum. But he does do it very very well, and that's why he's a shoe in for the Lions for me. And um, I'm not so sure about the captaincy talk. Yes, he's captaincy material. It might be a masterstroke. That's why Gats is the coach, and, and he'll work that out. Um, um, some people don't play well with a captain, a captain's armband, or as well, and that might be a, a burden on him, particularly as as uh, um, a figurehead as he is going to South Africa. It might be him against Khaleesi. That might, you know, imagine that, you know, that'd be the first time that ever happened and that would be fantastic. But yeah, I think it's a difficult one to call. One of the things for sure is he's on top of his game and in terms of his age and the time of his career and Shane said this a few weeks ago, he's where Alan Wynn would have been two, three years ago. No, you know, he's coming yeah. to the, yeah. he's probably not at the top, which is a worry. You know, it's good for the Lions. He's probably peaking the Lions tour the year after or the next World Cup and, um, you know, good on him. But what a specimen. So, um, so anyway, that's enough of that, right? That's enough rugby. Um, apart from a little bit of breaking news today, which I suppose is a wake-up call for all of us in, in the public eye, if you like. The Pumas captain, Pablo Matera, such a, an icon. A couple of weeks ago, the win over the All Blacks, you know, the eyes and standing up for his players. He's, um, 
he's been stripped of the captaincy pending investigation of some xenophobic and racial tweets on, on Twitter. Shane, you've got to be careful of the social media, haven't you? It's the devil, isn't it, Sean? Um, yeah, look, it's thing, yeah, and we're talking something I think that happened seven, eight years ago. Um, so that's the thing. It's it's documented. It's there. It's always going to be there. And you know, someone has had a look at how he's played in these championships now, and the big win against the All Blacks. And you know, he's in the press, isn't he? You know, telling the referee, you know, they need a bit of respect, etc. Someone's dug all that up, and it's just it's just an awful story. Look. He's been fantastic playing rugby. He was a great advocate as, as a captain. And all the young boys in Argentina are probably looking at him thinking, I want to be like this guy. And all of a sudden, this gets dragged up and he said some stuff that he really shouldn't have some time ago. Um, the only thing I can say is it's, it's a huge lesson for, for anyone out there who feels that they can say whatever they want on Twitter, on Instagram. Don't yeah. do it. You know, we've got a lot of keyboard warriors out there and we've had it ourselves, Sean, and I'm sure Kyle has that... Uh, Feel that you know you're, you're hidden behind the screen and you can say what you want. Uh, okay, you, you you can I suppose, but you know if it comes back to bite you on the ass, then it's your own fault really. Uh, that's all I can say about that. And um, you know it's a shame because there'd be a lot of youngsters now that that Umatera is their, their their hero, and they'd be thinking, oh my God, you know this this guy this is the guy that uh, we were crying over a couple of weeks back because. He led our team, our national team, to beat the All Blacks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just silly. Uh, and, and if anything, it, you know, it's, it's just a lesson learned for him and, and other people out there who just think they can say what they want, I suppose, yeah. on social media, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Kyle, question for you. Um, in professional rugby now, with the advent of social media, um, the players and coaches would have <clears throat> some sort of protocol or do's and don'ts now. Um, about what they can say or do on social media, you know, would that be the same for you in acting? Say, Outlander, now, uh, would you have a director, producer say, Look, you know, any don't react to certain comments if there's a, an issue that's brought up in the show, you know, a particular storyline, or, or is it carte blanche and then you suffer the consequences if you do say something wrong? I mean, this every, every show. Especially the big shows like Outlander and things that have you know been going for some years, they all have PR officers, um, and you get briefings all the time. And one of the first things that I was told when I first got the role in Outlander, and this wasn't from a PR officer, it's from my agent. I was going up for a costume fitting. It was the first time I'd been up there, and my agent said, "By the way, do not tweet or post anything about you being in Outlander because they will want to announce you." And uh, an actor got cast in a role this, the season previous and put it all over Twitter and then lost the job before it even started. So it's mainly things like, um, you know, don't reveal plot, plot uh, you know, things to do with plot and don't reveal anything that hasn't been seen already by the public. Uh, but in regards to just, you know, your own, it's like everyone who works for the BBC, these are my views, not the views of the BBC. It's kind of like that. There's a lot of actors out there that really don't care what they say. Um, not not because they're being offensive, but just because, you know, maybe that's their opinion or their attitude. One that I love is Eve Miles. Um, you all know Eve Miles, Welsh actor. And her Twitter has me in stitches. Not because I she's... Yeah, Miles Eman. Uh, not because she's offensive or anything to anybody. She's not. But 
you know, she, she chucks an F-bomb in now and again. And just some of the things that she comes out with, it's, you get her character type of thing. Um, but no, that, yeah, yeah, that's my answer, really. You know, um, I, I, the first thing that I thought of when seeing Matera's, um, the news on him today is, what, God, what, what have I said when I, when I started Twitter? <laughs> 10 years ago. I bet a lot of people have it as well, you know, so mm. it is a scary thing and social media can be brilliant in so many ways, but it can also be the devil, like Shane said, and uh, you do have to be careful because one minute, you know, you're working on a building site and the next minute, yeah. you've got thousands of people following you because you're in a, a very big show or you, you've just been called up to, to the Welsh squad or whatever it is and, you know, you've yeah, got all people, these... Some people, some people thrive on it as well, you know, they yeah. thrive on the fact that you know they can um, they can have a go at anyone. They can say whatever they want, and uh, we've all had it. And sometimes I, I I think right, okay, I'm gonna have a look at this person who's just been having a go at me, and their whole log of comments on Twitter or Twitter mainly, I, I, I will say, is just him having a go at politicians, actors, yeah. rugby players, football. And I'm thinking, haven't you got anything better to do? And I've yeah. I've got a mate, right, and he's a very good mate of mine. I won't uh, I won't throw his name on you. For years and years, right, he's had this thing about Dan Carter. Doesn't like Dan Carter because Dan Carter's pretty much ruined um, Welsh rugby players and people's lives over the years because he's kicked our ass, isn't he? Let's be honest, right? And he's had a go at Dan Carter for uh, at least when I started playing for Wales, right? So we're talking 20 years. And a, and a, and a couple of months back, and it's things like, you know, um, you, you know you're, you're crap, you're shit and all this. And over a couple of months back, I think Dan Carter must have just had a guts full of my mate. And um, that's all he sent back was F off, right? Right? And we're talking over 15 years maybe of, of this abuse. My mate was landed. Yes. I've had a reply from Dan Carter. Right? And I'm thinking, all that effort and time just to be told to F off. And that's all yeah. you've really wanted. Oh, and I can yeah. imagine, right, there are hundreds and thousands of, of these kind of people that are there just for the reaction and to get a bit more followers and for someone to say, yes, yeah, well done, keep going, you're the best. It just annoys the life of me, to be honest with you. So when you do say something on Twitter or, or Facebook or Instagram and, and it's malice, it's racist, it's homophobic, you know, expect something back from it, I'd say, because yeah. it's not nice. It damages lives. It hurts people's feelings. Get on, you know, do something. Get get on and do something better with your life, I say. Yeah. So um, it, it's, it's, it is horrible. And, um, you know, he's a very good player and he's been playing really well. But, you know, he said these things. So you have to deal with it, I'm afraid. Hey, don't say anything at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well said. Well, very sad. We'll keep an eye on that story anyway. We'll see how it develops next week. Uh, very quickly, we've only got a few minutes left, but um, Shane, well done on the November Beast. Uh, we're all very proud of you, raising loads of money for Valindra Cancer Centre. Just quickly tell us that last day, the 30 miles, I mean, done 450 odd before. What was it like? Yeah, yeah uh, people are probably bored sick of, of me and my posts and, and this challenge, but. Uh, and I, I, well, I wouldn't say bored is the right word, but I, it, it took long enough. But um, yeah, if we, we did the 465. We'd, I'd done 30 miles on the last day um, with Ryan Jones. Plus, to be fair, about 50 other people that had turned up to support, which was great. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we had Valindra uh, on the finish line amongst other charities and people supporting us as well, which was great as well. Uh, yeah, you know, we, there was no way I was going to give this up. I certainly struggled along the way. 
and it was the hardest thing I've, I've ever done. But uh, we did it. So happy days. Thank you all for your support. Brilliant. Well Ed, congratulations. We're very proud of you. Now, don't forget next week, everybody, we've got Carol Borderman on Christmas Carol. It's the last one of season two of the Tuesday Club. Uh, we'll be back after Christmas with season three. Uh, very quickly, what are you watching? Very quickly, Kyle, what are you watching? I am revisiting the Oceans films with Brad Pitt and George Clooney. Very good. Good. We'll have a look at that. I watched the Maradona documentary of his time in Napoli. Unbelievable. Two hours of riveting watching. I watched, uh, well, actually, I watched Social, Social, let me say it, Social Dilemma when I was running on the treadmill. Very interesting. Good watch. Good. Yep. Lovely. Well, you can relax now. You've done all your running. Kyle, Shane, thanks very much for today. Hope everybody enjoyed this week's Tuesday Club podcast. Next week, we've got a Christmas carol, the last one of 2020, the one and only Carol Vorderman. Stay safe, everybody, in lockdown. You can't drink anyway. We'll see you then. <laughs> yes. <laughs>